Hello, and welcome to Just for Kicks on Game Time CT. My name is Scott Erickson, I'm the boys' soccer writer for Game Time CT, and we are joined on the couch by the girls' soccer writer Joe Morelli. Joe, good morning. I haven't left the couch since last Tuesday. I just want to let you know you're just I, sleeping. Here I, I do up. enjoy the the comforts of home, but we are coming down the stretch here. It's coming toward tournament time. My favorite time of the year. This is the p- part where I I got in this business for the big games. And, I love it. Yeah. And we've seen some recently, and and it's and I think we're starting. Like I said, a little bit of separation Saturdays. I talked about some in some instances. Some we're not really sure about, but it's it's fun at this time of year. It's the best time of year. I mean, I love the late fall. I think it's the best for everything, and I can't wait for the playoffs. You know, the, the soccer playoffs are so good. I, yep. I really I got so into it last year, being able to cover the full state. And I'm so excited for this year too. Like. Mm-hmm. All the classes are good. Uh, there's so many great games. Um, let's start with you know, the biggest topic of conversation right now, uh, the FCAC girls landscape. After a week of uh, all the top teams playing each other, we know nothing. <laughs> Isn't that yeah, true? Yeah, for those who I mean, remember Hogan's Heroes, Sharks and Schultz, I'm sure there's a lot Nobody of people who never heard that. of it. I know nothing. Well, some of the coaches might. But, there, there you go. But honestly, that was the league coming in. To my story today with St. Joseph Staples, on you can read on GameTimeCT.com. Um, there isn't that much. Now, Jack Nogueira thinks the two best teams were on the field yesterday. No disrespect to Richfield, who is the defending FCI champion and the two-time defending Class Double State champion. I don't know. I haven't seen Richfield. All I know is it can't be that much different separating the three teams. There's two great games, yes, two great teams yesterday playing. Um, Staples, and, and then they played to a 1-1 draw, as you alluded to, Scott, and... I don't know. And when you throw in New Canaan and Wilton, you get the top five. It's it's very, very tough. And even Darianne, like, even Jack said it, and I didn't use the quote. He said, I, I, I said all these things, and I'll be the two, and I'll probably lose to the seven, which could be Darianne, <laughs> who they're playing on Friday. So right. it is so stacked. And it's the same way on the boys' side, from what I, that these games are going to be so good and so tough. And uh, it's going to be really hard. If we were, I know we're in the business doing predictions, and our producer Pete Pacquiaga is going to be forcing us to do that. Probably, uh, I may give him a little bit of pushback. But the point being is that it's going to be really hard uh, to do it, and uh, we'll see how that goes when the time comes. I think it's funny that the top of the FCAC girls. I mean, those Richfield New Canaan ties, St. Joe New Canaan ties, New Canaan Stables tie. All these games tie, 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 and then or one goal games top of the ccc boys exact same thing ties or one goal games amongst all the top rated teams right. now they don't have a tournament to sort it out so they're sorting it out now and then they'll sort it out in the states but same sort of thing i think that's so awesome where you, you, you're going to go into a postseason into a state tournament into an fcac tournament and there's no clear favorite as far as i'm concerned especially with those new with the uh with the fcac girls and if i go to the swc there's no clear-cut favorite either. I mean, in a week from next Monday, Massac, Notre Dame, and Fairfield, that could decide it. You got Weston at the top. You got Notre Dame and Pomparag. Uh, those are the top four there. There's no clear-cut there. In the SEC, I thought Guilford was the best team. They go out and lose the Law with 6-6 six and six yesterday. And, yeah. I, so, and Cheshire, uh, who— That's a big game for Law, isn't it? A big Huge. game, sure, for the girls. I don't know yeah. if it helps them. I don't think they get in this. In I mean, the just a tournament. great, good. A oh, great, absolutely, it's as good a win as that. They, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, they, that's a program that, and we've mentioned this on Game Time. They've been, they've never won a state tournament game, and, and they've always been knocking on the door. And I think I've been to the last two or three just to see if they get it. Yeah, we, we've covered it. I think Branford, and if I remember correctly, last year was North Branford, and the year two years before that was Bunnell. So 
hopefully they can get in and, and get done. But uh, Cheshire is among the team. We wrote, I wrote about them this week, and uh, they could be the one seed. Mercy Guilford play on Friday. That can determine a two seed or, or, or a one seed. Um, and I alluded to the SWC, Massey, Notre Dame, Fairfield. The ECC is still in flux. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be very hard to tell you. The only things I, I know that the top seed in NCCC yeah. is Granby. They're the top seed in Class M. Yep. And a stunner last Friday, Southington 3, Glastonbury nothing, or nil, as a, as a soccer aficionados <laughs> like to say, uh, on the pitch. I would do the accent, but I'm not going to here today. Please, uh, I don't. I, we, you know, we don't need. Which to, accent are you going to do? Well, you know, I tried my English accent and, and, oh. and say three to the nil, but um, <laughs> but uh, oh, kudos, I don't know what that is. Kudos, kudos to uh, Sullington. That's a, a tremendous win. As these guys are laughing yeah. here, it's a tremendous job by them. They're the top seed. Seedies wise in double L. I'm curious how they'll do. Yeah, class double state tournament because if they handle Farmington today, they're going to win the CCC, which is a, incredible. Seeing how much of a long history Glastonbury has had as the top dog in the CCC. Yeah, that you know, and these conferences I put out the other day that the FCAC and the SWC boys were a jumble uh, going right. into the playoffs. The SEC is the same way, right. uh, as Al Carbone pointed out to me. You know, and I didn't mean to exclude them, of course. Uh, but yeah, when you look at who's going to be into these conference tournaments here, there's you know you know you know the top teams at this point in those conferences. Nothing else is settled on the boys' side in those conferences heading into their conference tournament. And there's so many teams that could that could make moves here over the last week, and we're and we're kind of in the last week now. There's about a week left in the in the regular season. The these tournaments start on Halloween and November first, so we're getting really, really close to the end of the year. Here. Yeah, and obviously the teams without the league tournaments, they will continue on and right. through election day, the fifth and sixth, and because I think the last day to count is the eighth, the Thursday. Or yeah. no, it maybe might be the seventh, and the pre-rings come out on the Friday, November eighth, and we start on the ninth. I mean, obviously playdowns probably over the weekend, and then obviously it concludes. Um, uh, let me see, eighth, the fifteenth, twenty-second, something like that. That's, yeah, and it comes quick. It does. And, you know, it was a beautiful day yesterday, but the weather's going to start getting cold. And we've had some cold nights at, uh, at some of the games we've covered. And, uh, again, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And as we've always indicated, the best team on the field doesn't always win. That's what was great about the sport. You know, we're, we're going to talk to uh, Ledger boys coach Bill Glennie coming up in a little bit. But, you know, the ECC, they have to, you know, they only put four teams in their conference tournaments. They have different – uh, divisions, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, but you know the the top four seem kind of set out there. But otherwise, you you just don't know who's going to be in these conference tournaments, and then who's going to win, and then whether you even want to make a run. Of course, you want to win the championship, but you know we've talked to Anthony Howard from Danbury about this, and other coaches too, about those conference tournaments can just suck the life out of you going into states. And meanwhile, the CCC is just playing their regular season, and if you need to rest a kid here, rest a kid there, you can always do it. Whereas if you're playing for a championship, you're not doing that. So I, I think the CCC still has a huge advantage by not playing a, a tournament. They're also the best conference and have the best team, so it's hard to differentiate. But I think that the, that the non-tournament definitely helps them a lot. But on the other side of it, the FCAC is so good in, in girls that yeah. I don't well, think Well, that's it, the same if, tournament, the girls. I mean, the girls But they don't think if, I don't think about because of – other than a couple of teams, I don't think it bothers them right? because – one of them is going to prevail unless yeah. Sullington is is good is really really the best team, yeah. which we really don't know. Um, but like you said, yeah, yeah, does it take stuff value? Yes, 
but do I think it prepares you and gets you even more ready? Yeah, I do. So there's there's two sides of the coin there. So I, I don't know, but like we met, I mean, last very coach said they once at one time had a CCC tournament and they may do it again at some point. It's kind of hard with there's their so teams, with their league, yeah. um, but again, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. But and the CCC right now has three unbeaten teams. Glass and uh, on the boys' side, Glastonbury, right. East Hartford, and Bristol Eastern. Um, you know, two of those are double L's, and Bristol Eastern is an L school. Uh, but they're the only undefeated teams other than Ward, uh, who's a double L uh, from the FCAC, and Wilton, who's uh, an L from the FCAC. So mm-hmm. the CCC and the FCAC on the boys' side, the only teams that are unbeaten, uh, there's no unbeaten teams in Class S. And then in Class M, there's Ellington, Stonington, and Weston from uh, three different conferences. You know, Ellington's been the number one team in the MS poll uh, all season. Stonington's been two or three all season. You know, the the good teams have been there all year, but – I, I just get so excited for the for the all the matchups that could happen and you start to look even now before things are set like what what potential matchups could be coming down the road and you know I, I know you love this time of year and I, I love it too uh this is a special shout out um we talk about CCC so much as we do a lot of the conferences and uh we you and I both talked about how Lewis Mills has done yeah boys and girls side and obviously they moved from the Berkshire to the CCC uh Last week, Lewis Mills f- lost two games to Newington and to Farmington. The reason I bring that up, not only were there the first two losses for Lewis Mills in the CCC, it's the first two regular season losses since 2016. So That's almost three yeah. years. And we've talked about Suffield and the, and the Granby thing uh, and then Triple C. Again, kudos. I'll give a round of applause to Lewis Mills because it's so hard to win and go unbeaten in this sport no matter who you play and and I think that's a great job and I think they're going to be a team to beat I mean playing those teams now they're in class M yeah I'm assuming they you know the defending class M champion uh, that's pretty good I think it's going to be they're going to be a tough out and playing those teams is only going to help them well you know and we're going to ask Bill Glennie about this because he plays in class M with Ledyard and you get these class M schools that come out of the CCC or some of these bigger conferences we saw it with Plainville last year who went and won a state championship as like a 26 seed, you go in with like a 500 record because you had to play all these top teams, and then you get into a conference tournament in M or S, and sometimes those teams just absolutely roll, even though they're you know a 20 something seed. Uh, and I don't know if you see that as much as on the girls' side, but on the boys' side, you definitely see that with the smaller schools from the huge conferences. Yeah, I mean, Lewis Mills is a perfect example. What are they? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seed right now in Class M. On the girls, nine, eight, seven, Platex to seven, I yeah. mean, six, seven. I mean, what I'm saying is, again, I mean, Notre Dame, Fairfield's an M. They play in all larger schools, and yeah, I, I think it's a definite advantage. But as we saw with Plainfield last year, they went to a final, and they really have no history. Yeah. So I, I think it works both ways. But yes, is there an advantage? Yes. Yeah. All right, we are going to get to our interview with Ledyard Boys soccer coach Bill Glennie. We'll be right back with that. We are joined now by Ledyard Boys soccer coach Bill Glennie. Bill, welcome to Just for Kicks. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, we wanted to get a ECC voice on there. Uh, and you guys, you know, you didn't know what you had to start the season, but you got to be pretty happy with where you guys are right now, are you? Yeah, we're, um, you know, I have a good mix of, I've got 10 seniors on the team, but our offense is led by, you know, two sophomores and Nick Washington and Damon Pollard. Right. Um, so I, 
I was confident we would score goals this year. Uh, defensively, I didn't know what we had, losing you know some key defenders and uh, losing you know one of the best goalkeepers in the division as well. So um, you know to be ten and two where we are is certainly uh, certainly great. Yeah, that defense and goalkeeper. You guys have five shutouts. Uh, you know, tell us about the goalkeeper and, and what he's been able to do for you this year. Um, you know, Blake McLeod has been, he, you know, came in this year, he's a junior, uh, he's been kind of one of those goalkeeper, you know, goalkeeper for life, um, type thing, he does, uh, spends a lot of time in the off season going to camps and, and getting better, um, this year he really kind of spurted, you know, he, he was, you know, a little bit on the bigger side as a freshman and sophomore, and as, as a junior has grown taller, filled out, and become much more athletic. So, I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic in that for us. You know, ten times what I expected we would have. So, you know, that was the start of a great surprise for us. Was he up on the varsity last year? Did he get to kind of learn behind the the keeper he had last year? Uh, He did a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, But for the most part, he you know, he was our JV goalkeeper, and he was there as a JV goalkeeper. And, you know, I had kind of a backup last year that was – you know, you know, if glasses, you know, an emergency break glass. But right. <laughs> you know, I I had two guys that were ahead of him, and you know, so he he was our JV goalkeeper. So I didn't know what to expect. Do you find in general, I mean, not just specifically with him, but in general, is it more valuable for kids to be playing on JV, or sometimes is it more valuable for them to be learning from upperclassmen, but maybe not seeing the field as much? I I think it's there's going to be a, a combination of the two. Uh, if you've got a player who might just be stuck behind, you know, let's just say last year with Blake, he was stuck behind Kenny Turner, right. who's now a Division One athlete at the University of Hartford. Um, he, he's never going to see a minute of time unless it's a blowout. Um, but I don't want to have him stuck on the bench, coming to practice three, four days a week, right. and then never, never getting in a pl- in playing time. So. You know, I like to try to get a mix of guys that are in that position and sending them down to play some JV games so they get their playing time and they don't get discouraged by practicing every day. It's no fun for them. Right. Uh, you talked about Nick and Damon. Uh, having two sophomores like that is a very unique situation. Uh, you knew they were going to be good coming into this year. Have they met expectations, exceeded expectations? Where are those two guys for you right now? Um, I, you know, I certainly think they've they've exceeded some of my expectations. You know, uh, they're both absolutely tremendous, uh, tremendous with the ball. They're both, you know, they have a knack for scoring. I mean, they've combined for 28 goals and 21 assists in 12 games. Um, you know, they're the reason we've scored at least three goals in every game but one this year. And uh, you know, I could certainly leave them both on the field. They could both have higher goal scoring numbers this year but it's just not how I operate and I, I don't want to put you know kids on the field in games that are you know have been taken care of and let them score just to pad their stats right uh, but I mean they're both utterly tremendous and the fact that they're only sophomores and getting better um, you know there's a lot to uh, a lot to them and you know what they put into the sport where are they each playing on the field and and, and then how are they working well together with each other uh, Damon typically is, you know, as our, one of our starting forwards. Nick has been my center mid almost exclusively all year. Um, they will switch at times in games. You yeah. know, the midfield obviously a little bit more requires a little bit more work going back and forth. So uh, they will throughout, usually in the second half, they'll switch spots for a bit. 
that gives Nick a chance to catch his breath and still be a goal-scoring threat and allows Damon to drop back and, you know, contribute into center midfield for us. But uh, the two of them work off each other so well, um, and it's why, you know, Nick might be the overall a little bit better of a player, uh, but, I mean, Damon's got more assists than him and, you know, one of the top assist leaders in the conference because of how well they work together. Did they play together growing up? Were they on the same youth teams? Yeah, they've been they've been playing together for quite some time. Um, age group, I believe they're a year difference, so they they haven't played on the same Southeast team exclusively. Right. But they have played together quite a bit, and then you know Nick has been playing for some other clubs outside of uh, Southeast as well. Ledger boys soccer coach. Microphone, Joe. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> you know. <laughs> My apologies, Coach. Bill Glenley joining us on the podcast. Bill, four games left in the regular season. How much have you started looking toward as far as seeding for the playoffs? Uh, I believe you were in Division One. They do one and two there, correct, in the ECC? Yeah, the, um, the ECC tournaments, it seems, I'm, if I did the math correctly yesterday, that the, the four teams that are into the tournament for Division One and two are set. Uh, Stonington and Fitch are going to be the, the top two seeds because they're both the division winners, and then East Lyme and myself will be the 3-4 seed based on um, what the uh, uh, league-generated records are at the end of the year. So um, East Lime plays Fitch. They still play us, so those are big games to determine who the three-seed is. Three-seed is going to get Fitch and avoid the one-seed Stonington, who's just fantastic. Um, not that Fitch is a much easier draw since they've beaten us twice. Um but you know, it's it's the the top four teams in Division One and Two are Stonington, Fitch, East Lyme, and Ledgerd. So I mean, the four of them playing each other is kind of where really it should be. So how do you use Thursday's game against Stonington uh, as a I don't know preparation possibly if you do see them? Uh, I mean, we see them. Uh, you know, we see them Thursday. So right. it's kind of been a game that's been circled on everybody's calendar, at least from our our standpoint. You know, you want to be the best, you have to beat the best, and they are the best team in this league. Uh, they're number two in the state for a reason. They are well coached by Paul DeCastro. They've got a fantastic player in Ty Fitterich in the middle. Sam Montalto up front is just dynamic as a scorer. And their defense is just solid. They don't, they don't have any weaknesses. So, um, you know, I think that, that we're definitely the underdogs going into the game. So it's good for us to uh, go out there and compete and see kind of where we stand against one of the top teams in, in Class M and one of the top teams in the state. Yeah, I mean, Fitch, I, I don't know if it surprised you that they're doing so well. Uh, you know, kind of, we didn't hear about uh, much about them coming in. What do they do well, and, and why have they been so tough for you this season? Um, well, I mean, they have a, a core group with uh, Eric Luschner, uh, Timmy Lynch in, in the center of the field, and they're both workhorses, and they're both very good with the ball at their feet. So uh, the two of them are just fantastic, and they've got a couple of guys up front that can score. And I think the, the one of the biggest things that they have is they've got Moxie. They've got this. I, I don't want to call it. It's not cockiness. It's yeah. just confident. Yeah. So when they came in to play us the second time, knowing that the game essentially would would likely de- decide Division Two, they came in with the just we're going to stomp you guys, and they did. Yeah. I mean, it was we were run over by a truck, and it, it's it's tough to get a team to have that. And uh, Jay Wolfrat, you know, uh, you know, helps breed that, and it's it's fantastic for them because they're going to hang a banner this year, and it's their first one in school history. Yeah, it's great for Fitch. Uh, you know, like I said, they kind of took us by surprise. Uh, we knew Stonington would be good. 
do you like playing this game later in the season as opposed to earlier in the year? Uh, I don't think it particularly matters. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we did the same thing kind of last year. We started off nine and one, and it kind of hit a wall and finished three and five. You know, this year we're ten and two, and I don't think we've been playing all that well lately. <clears throat> so, um, certainly, it's nice to play Stonington on Thursday. I've had a chance to see them play a couple of times. So, um, if you play them early in the year, sometimes you don't get that information. So I guess that that's the one thing that helps playing a team later in the year. So we haven't seen Ty Fidrich. Uh, how good is he, and and how would you rank him as you know as a, as a top player in the state? Uh, if you had to ask me today, I think Ty Fidrich and Nick Washington are the top two players in the ECC. Um, who's one? Who's two? Yeah. Flip a coin on a day. Uh, Ty is uh, Ty's amazing. Uh, workhorse. Everything goes through him. He just he makes teams make mistakes because of his ability to get involved and and distribute and he's always involved with the play i've noticed that once they get the ball out of the back things are going through him and he he makes sure that he gets himself in the uh into the mix and one of the other guys you played you guys beat these guys six nothing but alfonso vasquez just set the state goal scoring record how impressive of a player is he and then i mean i know that their team isn't as strong so that's why you guys can handle them six nothing but how impressive of an individual player is, is Vasquez from Wyndham? Uh, I think he's a, you know he's a very good player. Um, I, you know you don't get a state scoring record by you know not being a good player. Uh, you know he's routinely putting in you know four or five goals in a game, and you know, I think the schedule helps them a little bit with that. Sure. And but but not to take away you know what what he's done to set a uh, to set a record. You know certainly one of the top top five players in the in the league uh, i'm sure he's going to garner you know some statewide recognition based on the fact that he's you know got a hundred and probably at this point i think he's over 130 goals yeah in his career um I, I stand by what i said still that nick i think nick and ty um i think personally are the two best players in the league yeah you know alfonso certainly in the in the conversation as well uh, so who else has stood out for you on your on your roster besides Nick and Damon, especially maybe some defenders who we might not know about who have played well for you this season? Yeah, it's funny because you know I was just having to go through this you know talk you know about whether or not you know nominating players for all conference, and you know defensively we don't do anything overly pretty. Yeah, you know we're kind of a blue collar. You know, I don't have a standout guy in the back that's going to, you know, clean up everything. But, uh, you know, Xander Hutchins, uh, Trevor, his brother, was one of my, you know, goal scorers from a couple of years ago. Xander's 6'6". Six, six. He takes up a lot of space. He's not flashy, but just does a lot of things, just you know, a lot of little things really well. Uh, Fabian May has been my center, one of my center backs as well. He's a converted forward for three years. Uh, he's been slid back into that uh, center defender stopper role. Uh, he's done a great job for us there. And then I got another sophomore who's been my center back in Cam Reynolds and Joey Burton, who's uh, just a junior as one of my other outside backs. So I don't have a one standout guy, but the the, the core four of them work very well to um, do what they have to do to get us wins. I mean, you have a bunch of seniors in the team, but it sounds like you have some sophomores and juniors in very uh, key positions. That must bode well for you moving forward the next couple of years, right? Yeah. Uh, it, some of the youth coaches in town have been raving about my 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 
seventh and eighth graders this year, and that there's a lot of very good uh, young players coming up the pipeline. Uh, the fact that I'm going to have my top two scorers back, not just next year, but for two years, I've got two guys in the back who, you know, have been starting all year that, you know, will return and start. My goalkeeper will be back. Uh, basically, straight up the middle, I'm returning everybody. So I do have a bunch of seniors, but, uh, you know, there'll be several of them will be difficult for us to replace. Right. Uh, but the fact that it, you can't complain when you've got six or seven, you know, very, very key players coming back next year. So the future looking bright for Ledger coach Bill Glennie joining us on the Just for Kicks podcast. Uh, present day, you mentioned Class M. You're jockeying for position. Uh, team made a run to the quarters in 2016, out the first round the last two years. Uh, I'm curious how much have you looked at the landscape and how important to be the eight versus the nine or the four versus the five so you can be home deeper into the playoffs versus on the road. Yeah, it's funny, uh, Jay Wolfrat and Paul DeCastro and I were talking yesterday, and they said, let's play a game. If the tournament started today, what would your draw be? And I said, okay, I'll play this game, and I, I did it, and I went down, and I started laughing because I said, I don't know if I got a worse draw, because as the ninth seed, I would have had Plainville, who's probably one of the best teams in Class M, yeah. and they're 5-5. Five and five. Um between them, Lewis Mills, teams that play very difficult schedules, they're going to get in as very low seeds, right. are kind of the teams we, we're looking to avoid. Um, and like you said, that 8-9 matchup is, is good if you're that 8 to get that home seed. Um, Ellington, you want to avoid. Stonington, I'd like to avoid. Granby, I'd like to avoid. Obviously, Plainville, Lewis Mills. Tolland, I heard, is, is playing well. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a there's some landmines in that Class M tournament um, because of Plainville and Lewis Mills. And Class M seems to be a place where lower seeds who come out of the CCC or come out of the SEC can really make runs in these tournaments. Do you guys kind of just throw the seeds out when you when you look at these when you look at the state tournament in Class M? Uh, I mean, you can't. You've got to you know the, the CCC is obviously loaded, so you get these smaller schools that have to, you know, they're going to lose four or five games a year because they're playing Glastonbury, they're playing Farmington, they're right. playing Manchester, they're playing good teams in a solid schedule. And honestly, sometimes seeding doesn't mean much. I was a 25 seed a few years ago and went to Oxford and won, went to Wyndham and won, and nearly beat Tolland in, in double overtime in the quarters, right. you know, as a 25 seed. So uh, a lot of it comes down to, to draw. You know, you can find yourself in a very good position or you can find yourself with you know a five seed getting Plainville in the first round uh, so coach just as a general philosophy what do you change uh, from like your early season training methods practice time to what you're doing this time of year uh, what are you doing in practice that's different than what you would be doing early in the season uh, we do a lot of uh, a lot of conditioning early on in the year and a lot of where, all right, what are we going to do this year at practice? And as the season kind of wears on, the conditioning has to kind of drop down just a bit. We still do, you know, conditioning twice, at least twice a week. We'll, we'll, we're lifting today. Um, but as late in the season as we are now, it's kind of about just maintaining what we're doing. Uh, if we don't know how to do it by now, we're probably not going to know how to do it. Right. So wasting practice time trying to learn new stuff this late in the year can kind of be a waste of uh, of time that's valuable. 
Um, you know, with the mosquito situation, I have to be off the field by, you know, 5.30, 5 o'clock. So if I'm lifting after school, I may only have an hour and change outside. So I need to make sure that I'm I'm utilizing that time. You know, I was actually going to ask you, looking at your schedule, I knew they have started to lift the the whole E, triple E thing. Uh, some schools have started to go back to night games. How many night games have you lost, and how tough has it been not having a senior night uh, for your kids? Yeah, we did senior, senior quote, day yesterday. Okay. And with a 3.30 kickoff, I get out of school. I, I can't even get over to the field until about 2.20, and that's right. if I, you know, that's if I book it. Um, if you know all the cops in the area. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly it. And it was literally just, and thank Thank God I have parents that are amazing. Right. Um, they had they were there well before the team was setting up tables, setting up balloons, and um, it, I typically have done my senior night post game so that a it's not a distraction, b there's no real time constraints, um, and c we can go right into you know whether pizza, cupcakes, you know whatever the parents want to do. So it, these three thirty starts really are difficult for you know getting out of school, getting the kids on the bus, getting to the field. Whereas you know a six o'clock kickoff, I can go get something to eat after school. Yeah. I can run home and and take a shower and change clothes, and I can you know it's it's and it stinks for the kids too because I think night games are a lot more fun for the for the kids, for the fans, for parents. I mean. How many parents are are able to get out of work in time to come for a three thirty kickoff? So it's it's been frustrating, but you know, I, not, there's nothing we can do. We have to do what we have to do, and I'm guessing, you know, it, it's not going to pick up. It's not going to change in this area, probably for at least another week. So we've got to deal with it. Are, are you just waiting for a fraud? I mean, has, has there been anything where they say, look, when this happens, you can get back out there, and then this is probably going to affect the the tournament, I would think, too, right? Yeah, I think the. The, the answer they're waiting for is they need a heavy frost, which basically, from what I understand, is I, be, I believe, like, a four-hour window of, like, heavy, heavy, like, you need to scrape your windows, you right. need to not walk on the greens on a golf course, you need to... Uh, <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking Joe's language <laughs> My now. man. There you go. <laughs> so, it's, you know, we've had a couple of minor frosts, but I guess that's not enough, and, you know, with our ECC tournament being on the 5th and the 7th, they've... They've kind of alluded to probably one o'clock kickoffs to oh make sure that God. they can get overtime penalty kicks in. Um, that's election towns day. Are different. I, that's election day, right? Yeah, the fifth. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So you, you actually so, get a day off. Yeah, yeah. I actually I didn't even think of that until now. Um, but <laughs> even it's, that's fine because it's a less less of a distraction for the kids. But um, you know, one o'clock kickoff just just a big change in how things go. But again, like I get it, you know, there's nothing we can do. We got to handle it, deal with it, and move on. All right, we've been talking with Ledyard coach Bill Glenny. Bill, we want to thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, got got the ECC voice in there, and uh, we wish you good luck against Stonington and the rest of the way. Guys, oh, I appreciate also, you having me on today, Coach. Also, thank you for the uh, for the shirts you sent us. Those are going up in our uh, in our cave here uh, at uh, Game Time hey. CT. So. They're one of the early editions, so they'll be featured very prominently, I, I guarantee you. That's awesome. You know, I'm always a big fan of T-shirt swag, so you know, anytime I can help provide. And, and Jim, Bute, Jim Bute, of course, said the same thing. He said, make sure that uh, he gets a shout-out for the athletics T-shirt. So, of, of course. You know, we love Jim. Jim. Yes. We do like Jim, yes. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for joining us, Bill, and uh, hope to catch up with you in the postseason.
Great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All, All right. Joe, thank you. Bye. Uh, we want to thank uh, Ledyard Boys coach uh, Bill Glennie for joining us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're still talking about the accent that Joe was doing, and he was saying that I should have done some accents. I can do a, f- I can do a few. I can do a few. You want to hear some? Sure. Sure. <laughs> when you're playing football, you can't come down the field and not play your best. It's not acceptable, and we're not going to take it here. What do you think of that? I think it's better than mine. Is that what you wanted me to say? Is that, uh, sure. You said I should have done that instead of laughing well, at you. That's okay. I mean, you know. Laughter overtook me. Laughter overtook you. I wasn't sure what was happening. So what's Pete's excuse? I, I don't know. I, I doubt Pete can do an accent. I got nothing. Good. <laughs> he, he's still getting over the hour and 35 minute one for the meat grinder for football. So. Pete's locked into a Long Island accent. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all I can do. Uh, listen, uh, we want to thank Bill Glenny for joining us here on Just for Kicks. Uh, another good episode, good interview with him, good stuff on the ECC. Uh, we got to get a frost on the ground to get these uh, mosquitoes out of there. They're going to be playing conference tournament games at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So, <laughs> Although from a, uh, from a covering standpoint, that, that's great. I'd love if there were 1 o'clock in the afternoon games to go cover <laughs> and to playing at 7 o'clock at night when it's 35 degrees out. Uh, Anyway, uh, for Joe, I'm Scott. We'll see you next week on Just for Kicks.